Hi, I'm Laura and I am ADHD AF. Seriously. In the interim between seasons two and three, I've created these micro interviews to use the platform to share useful information to the ADHD community. I'm just a late diagnosed ADHD sharing my lived experiences, which means I'm not a psychiatrist, therapist or coach. I am not trained or even emotionally equipped to offer advice or support. And that's why I've gathered these golden nuggets of information from people who actually know what they're talking about. They will likely be swearing and sensitive subject matter, so please have a read of the description of each episode before ingesting these juicy morsels of information. Or in other words, tidbits. been blessed with the presence of Dr. James Brown because actually I realized how much I ramble nonsense on this podcast and as I have a platform I have a responsibility to actually get some facts in here. Thank you for joining me James. I really want to call this back to basics but every time I say basics I say bitch and I do (laughs) back to basics don't say bitch. Let's start with something really basic. Why have I got ADHD? Oh, great question. ADHD is all about the brain. If you've ever watched a nature documentary and you see a giraffe or a a gazelle being born, they can walk almost immediately. They get up and they can walk around and they can be fed by their mother. They're very independent. Humans went down a different evolutionary path, which was let's put all our effort in the brain. So it takes around 20 years for a brain to fully develop. And that's why as newborns, we're kind of helpless. We can't feed ourselves we can't protect ourselves because we went all in all our eggs in the brain basket now a third of all of your genes in your dna are solely there to develop and run a brain What what that means is if you use the analogy of a house so a house has blueprints and when people build that house according to the blueprints no two houses are exactly the same the plastering might be a bit different they may have fitted a light switch at a slight angle you know, the windows might be a little bit drafty, etc. But broadly speaking, a house that's built to its blueprints is a house and it functions. If somebody builds that house to blueprints that aren't as planned, things in the house might not work as well. Doors might not close when you close them. Windows might not open, for example. Some of the plugs might not work. So the reason that ADHD develops is largely because of genetics. And that means that a number of different genes whose job it is to develop a brain and to run a brain don't work as they were intended to by evolution. And what that means is that your brain, my brain, our brains all developed just slightly differently to what would be deemed the typical brain development. And this happens in the outer parts of the brain mostly. The outer parts are the bits that control executive functions, planning, organizing, attention, cognitive inhibition, and all the things that we generally struggle with. So as our brains develop differently, largely because of genetics, but also because of some environmental triggers, it just means that our brains look and work slightly differently to what would be considered like a typical brain. That's so fascinating. I know there's a statistic about the likelihood that your parents have ADHD, that it's, you know. If, that, you, yeah. if, you, if you have ADHD, then any first degree relative is five to seven times more likely to also have ADHD than a member of the general public. And we know that the genetic risk in rabbit ears, that Illinois Alex, of developing ADHD is between 70 and 80 percent. So we know that from twin studies. If you take a set of identical twins that happen to get 
um, adopted into different homes. If one of them has ADHD, the other has a between 70 and 80% chance of also having ADHD. So it is a, a kind of a hereditary familial conditional disorder. So with these cold, hard facts, mm-hmm. it's indisputable that ADHD is real. If you're actually sensible and look at the science, then yeah, there is so much evidence that even from a behavioural point of view, that we behave differently to the vast majority of the population. Even if you see it in that kind of almost like a syndrome, a collection of behaviours, it's obvious there are differences. The problem when it comes to the kind of objective tests, as in, you know, if you go to the doctors because you think you've got diabetes, they test your blood. If the value is above seven, then they'll say, well, you've got diabetes. We don't have that objective test, largely because even though there's loads of science from scanning brains, from using various different methods that have shown there are differences. It's always the same areas of the brain that come up, and it's always the same issues, that these brain areas aren't as well connected, that these brain areas look just fractionally different and function just fractionally different. The problem is that most of those studies are quite small. Now, if you gather all that data into one big study, it's very clear that we do have objectively spottable differences in brain function, but that's not sufficient evidence yet that healthcare systems are happy enough to say, well, let's scan that brain and and see if it looks like ADHD. But in theory, you could scan a brain and see. Well, we do. I mean, we do. The the best example relatively recently, I think it was last year, a really big study in about 1,700 people, which is big when it comes to brain scanning, shows something called a lack of neural pruning. Now, what happens as we grow into adolescence is the brain cuts any neurons or nerve connections that aren't needed, which have just developed kind of by mistake or which aren't functional. That doesn't happen in ADHD. So we sometimes have extra connections between brain parts. So that's one of the first really big studies that has shown a clear difference between the brain of somebody with ADHD and the brain of somebody without ADHD. We've got Lots of evidence, but it's in kind of lots of small little pockets of studies where they've scanned 10 brains or 20 brains. And really, to be generalizable, you do need to be in the thousands. So then eventually, with more studies, do you think that that is the way it could go? Is that if somebody thought that they had ADHD, a test could be a brain scan? It's going to go one of two ways. Because brain scans are expensive. I was just about to say that. Yeah, because they're (laughs) expensive and because, let's face it, the NHS absolutely adore it um, and other healthcare systems probably don't have the resource to send someone for a functional MRI scan. It'll either go down the route of brain scans or it'll go down the route of better objective computer-based tests. So at the minute, there's something called the QB test or QB check. And this is something where your ability to pay attention to what's going on on the screen is objectively measured. It's used more in children than adults because the accuracy in adults really varies from 60% to 80%. I think that's more likely that before we get a brain scan, we'll have some type of computer-based test which is accurate enough to objectively say this person's behaviour fits the profile of somebody with ADHD. That makes so much sense. I guess my brain was going to this place of early identification, the difference Mm. that can make to a person's life experience. I'm wondering if there's a way that (laughs) my brain, I'm just like, baby pops out, put it through a brain scanner. But then with what you said about 
how it takes 20 years for a brain to fully form, mm. in theory, would you be able to tell with a newborn baby's brain? Probably not with a newborn baby. If you look at the diagnostic process, it used to be that you had to have the symptoms by the age of seven. It's mm. now as late as, as 12. And because all brains develop slightly different rates and ADHD brains develop a little bit slowly, although they do catch up, that's probably too early. Now, that's not to say that in 10 years time, 20 years time, there won't be a blood test or there won't yeah. be a, a different form of test that could be applied to a newborn or a very young child. But certainly, if you imagine this scenario where you've got a known ADHD parent and therefore you know the risk of ADHD is there, it wouldn't be inappropriate to plan for an early test in that child rather than yes. just casting them aside and waiting until there's some issues at home or at school to start the ridiculous process of then trying to get an assessment. Yeah, absolutely. That makes so much sense. I can't think of anything else that I want to ask you that might fit into this nugget. Like you're the most efficient person at answering a question that has ever lived. I feel like if I ask you anything else, it's going to go off on a different tangent. Is there anything that you want it's, to add to my random question? <laughs> it's almost impossible to overstate the importance of this. Because the people with platforms that often very publicly talk about ADHD not being real, ADHD, you know, being a trendy bandwagon. One of my favorites when I recently spoke to Times Radio was that they said, aren't we just pathologizing a lack of resilience in people? Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's the kind of we didn't have it in my day approach. This is really powerful because we don't have societal acceptance of ADHD yet. People are now aware. So people are aware that it's being talked about, but that doesn't mean people accept it. Pretty much everyone listening to this will have encountered somebody that will either challenge or diminish their ADHD, yes. whether it's, well, we're all a bit ADHD or whether it's, well, I do that or whether it's, yeah, but it's not real, is it? We've all faced that. And that comes from a lack of societal acceptance. It's going to take time to get there. And therefore, it's really important that we get a good objective test you know, so you can shove it up the arse of someone like Dominic, <laughs> Dominic Lawson, who you know wrote an op-ed piece in January. So you can actually show yeah. it to employers or show it to people who may challenge whether it's real and say, "No, no, this is this is." If I if I told you I had diabetes, you wouldn't say, "Well, wouldn't that's you. that's made up, isn't it?" I mean, you've just you're self-identifying as diabetic there, aren't you? Yeah. So it's really important that we get this. A hundred percent. Thank you so much for that. I look forward to getting back to basics. Bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Just say bitches. <laughs> you keep on doing what you're doing because Thank you're fucking you. awesome. I actually feel Thank really, you. really depressed that you haven't cried. Did cry a little bit. I well, a little bit. That's fine. A little bit. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take it. It's, it's like, it's it's enough of a win for me Honestly, to feel Honestly, they did. They, they welled up and then I pulled it back. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that tidbit from an expert. If so, please comment in the Q&A on Spotify or leave a review wherever you're listening and I might just keep creating them alongside season three, which is coming right up with some full-length interviews with absolutely legendary ADHD AF guests. If like me, late diagnosed ADHD left you feeling like an alien, you are not alone. Come and connect with the community at ADHD AF Alien Nation Live Tour an intergalactic, huntastic expedition invading 14 UK cities this spring-summer to raise ADHD awareness and connect local ADHDers. Tickets are available via the link in the blurb of this episode and on ADHDersfemales.com forward slash events. 
these very special live shows explore going from the feelings of alienation to discovering an alien nation. There's a whole planet of us. I hope to see you in real life there and or chat to you on Discord or over Zoom on the online peer support community, Planet ADHD AF. ADHD.